Safe Radio. My name is Jim Derrick, and I'm here today with my friend and partner, Jennifer Knight-Levine. Welcome, Jen. Hello, Jim. Thanks for having me. Oh, I am thrilled that you're here. Uh, Jen Knight-Levine, for those of you that don't know, is the executive director and co-founder of the Safe Coalition, and we're going to do a program today that brings you, our listening audience, up to date on what is going on at SAFE. And Jen, there's been a lot of changes in a really short period of time. There sure have. (laughs) But all good things, all good changes. We also want to talk about the services that we offer at SAFE and, importantly, how you can access those services. So tell me, what has been happening at SAFE and, and how did we come through covid I'm so excited to share all of the things that are going on with SAFE and what has grown and developed through the pandemic. So prior to the pandemic, we had just opened up our new office space in Norfolk. We were really excited to bring students in for programming, to hold evening support groups. And certainly when COVID began, we had to really put a pause on the services that we provided in person. Mm. But like many other organizations, we needed to get creative and we were able to provide an online platform both to families in recovery who were looking for supportive services and we were able to meet with schools and students who were being impacted by the pandemic either um, related to substance use or to mental health and now that we're a year and a half kind of past the start point of when the pandemic really came into our lives we have seen a huge growth in our in-office operations. So what does that mean? What that means is we've been able to provide in-person family recovery programming in the evening, in-person and through a hybrid IT version. We've also, through our relationships with the school systems, have been able to provide suspension alternative programs in the office. We're holding adolescent summer camps, so for students who maybe didn't fit the needs of academic summer school, but certainly need support social emotionally, are able to come to our offices now. And we're teaching at a summer school, which is so exciting. And so, Really, what we're seeing right now is the opportunity to meet with people in person who we really got to know well via Zoom and all these other online platforms and grow with them in this space and hear from them what they would like to engage with on a one-to-one basis. It's incredible. It really is, Jen. And I have to compliment you and uh, all the folks we have working with us in the office, um, and you have a staff now and volunteers that have been able to keep pace with this ever-changing dynamic uh, through COVID. I can think of a lot of businesses, restaurants, um, other businesses who had serious interruptions. But when you're talking about something as intimate as sharing information about substance use disorder, mental health issues, trying to get those to communicate those types of needs through Zoom and through other creative ways. I just have to compliment you on the job you did and on the ability to keep us moving forward and provide all of those support services uninterrupted. Um, It was no small task. I know that. 
And it also was quite a challenge for people because we saw a huge uptick in needs. We did. And thank you for saying all of that. Our goal at the coalition is always to listen to the needs of the community and develop programming from there. And so while COVID did impact the way we provided services and support, the mission of how we work did not change. Right. And so it was crucial for us to be creative and be flexible in how we provided services. And in listening, we were able to gain access to learn how people learned best or were involved or needed support. I mean, we were holding IT meetings (laughs) with people um, and teaching them how to get onto Zoom or how to log in to an email that they maybe haven't accessed for a few years. Um, And through all of this, certainly our staffing has grown because the needs have shifted and changed. One of the most often asked questions I get, Jen, is people, they've heard about SAFE, but they can't really, people can't really put their finger on what it is that we do. Recently, you've focused the business in three specific areas. Can you talk a little bit about those specific areas that we're now addressing? Sure. So we've been so fortunate over the past five years to have a really dense board of directors that have a wide range of skill sets. And so when someone would come to the coalition related to a substance use or mental health concern, if we didn't have the answer in the office, we could often look to volunteers or those on our board for more support. And As the years have gone on, and certainly during the pandemic, we really want to crystallize how we answer that question of what does a safe coalition do or who are you? And also make sure that when we're sharing the story of who we are and where we came from, that the person we're speaking with feels like they have a place. So right now we see this in three areas. So we see one area as family recovery. And Jim, you have done such unbelievable work over the years of expanding the family recovery idea and really crystallizing what it means to have a family in recovery. And so years ago, the understanding around substance use was that the individual struggling with the actual addiction to a substance was the main concern for support. And what we've learned and certainly what you have led, especially through the coalition, is a very deep and well-rounded understanding that families and loved ones are impacted just as much as a person struggling with addiction. And so how do we provide support to the person struggling with addiction and how do we provide support to everyone else involved? Our second focus has been adolescent wellness. So for years, we've had a peer-to-peer high school program where we invited any high school-aged youth to come and meet with, us, meet with us once a week and follow a curriculum that explored social-emotional wellness. And that program has been fantastic. What we recognized during COVID is that all of these students who were at home who already were struggling with anxiety and depression now were isolating more, were struggling with their academics, had increased access to substances. And so the need for one-on-one support as it relates to substance use, but more directly mental health, we really want to take a wellness approach. And that is really what has stemmed our a vaping cessation program, our summer school program, the summer camp program, and now in September, a relaunching of the peer-to-peer program. Yeah. And, and that's a program that you, where you've actually been, you and your staff have been working in the schools. 
Yes, it has been this wellness program incredible. And I can't thank the schools enough for saying, yes, we recognize that this is a concern and we want the best for our students. So how can we mix this <laughs> into their daily lives so that their academics are strong and their minds are stronger? So the third area reminds me of the spaghetti sauce. You know, it's in there. Everything's in there. But the third area is something you've labeled collaborative care. Can you speak a little bit about what you mean by collaborative care? Absolutely. When the coalition started, we really were focused on the individual person or family getting direct support. And that is not something that we want to move away from. And so what we recognize is that it may be an individual or it may be a family that comes in with specific questions related to their specific circumstance. And we always want to provide a space for folks to call us ask a question, us create a space for them to come in, and time to figure out with them what the next best course of action may be for their loved one or for themselves. So what that really is, is a wraparound supportive understanding of next steps. And if we don't have that care, we will, with our partnerships and our relationships, collaborate with the next best person who can get you that support. Love that, Jen. Thank you for that. And those are the really the three areas of business that we are focused in. And and I'll tell you, we are growing in all three areas, so it's been been very exciting to be a part of. I want to remind folks, we are speaking with Jen Knight-Levine here on Safe Radio. Jen is the executive director of the Safe Coalition. Importantly, she's my friend and partner, and um, I say this all the time to people. I say it to Jen directly. It has been the biggest honor of my lifetime to work alongside of Jen, and I cannot think of anyone I would rather share this space with. It's also been tremendously healing to me personally. I am like the hair club for men advertisements. I'm not only the president, but I'm also uh, I'm also a customer and I'm someone who has substance use disorder in my family and have been struggling with this for years and frankly was left uh, in an environment where it wasn't okay to talk about this not long ago. And thanks to my friend Jen, who had the courage to raise her hand and say, I want to see some change here in our community. This coalition took off, and candidly, I've gotten more out of this than I could ever give back. One of the things that I wanted to focus on a little bit is a really wonderful mission that Jen has brought to this coalition, which is that we provide access to services for everybody in the community. We level the playing field. Can you talk about how it is that we do that? I would love to. So, so many of the folks that we have met with over the years have explained to us that it took them a few weeks or a few months or a few years to reach out to us because they have been so traumatized by past experiences of healthcare providers. And from the beginning, the coalition's mission was to listen to the needs of the community and develop whatever those needs were. And what we continued to hear over the years were that those folks who needed support and services were so negatively impacted by service providers mm -hmm. that they were hesitant to get the help early on. And, and one example of the, my, that might be calling, uh, and I know this happens and has happened with regularity, you call in for an appointment for mental health care and you might be faced, depending upon your insurance, on anywhere from a three to a six month wait. And, and that's not the case with us, just to give one small example. So we are absolutely dedicated and focused to providing continuous free care 
and wraparound support, regardless of who you are, where you come from, whether you can pay privately or whether you have insurance. We do not ask for your insurance card at the door. We do not ask for a donation endorsement. We ask that you give us a call and we ask that you give us some time to sit with you in person so we can work out the things that you are scared to talk about with your family and friends. And I do want to give out that phone number. Our support line telephone number is 508-488-8105. That's 508-488-8105. It is a support line. Importantly, what you should know is that you will receive a call back within 24 hours of your call during business hours. Uh, over the weekend, it may be more like 48 until we can get to Monday. But, uh, but the phone is there um, for any question. And I cannot emphasize that enough. Any question that you have, be it preventative in nature, be it just you're curious, we will take any questions at all. We are interested in breaking down the barriers to wellness and to treatment. And the barriers to wellness and to treatment for too long have been stigma in that people felt ashamed or felt like they didn't have permission to ask these types of questions. And we exist to battle that stigma and to break through those barriers. We absolutely do. And I never want someone to leave our services and support with the understanding that the conversation we had was more traumatizing or more triggering or they're not going to get their needs met. And it has been one of the most wonderful areas of my life to meet with families that have said we're underinsured or we don't have the money right now to pay for this. Can we pay you next month? And for us to share with them, there is no payment. I'll take a, a handshake or a high five um, because people need services and support. And oftentimes that financial responsibility is linked to making that initial phone call. You know, Jim, what excites me so much about the business model that you've set up and just described is that it most literally fills the cracks in that exist in the system in many ways. It, I Oftentimes I think about it like caulking or, you know, some sort of pavement tar or something that, that fills in those cracks because we all know about the gaps in the system. You go into the emergency room, you present with mental health concerns and they look at you with kind of a, well, we can take care of your physical self and we can give you a list of maybe psychiatrists or psychologists you might be able to call and it's usually on a bad piece of paper and it's, you can't really read it and you walk out and, you, and then you feel, well, I don't think we weren't really leaning into it that much. Maybe I'll wait. So there's a, there are these big gaps that exist in our system and we've all experienced them. And I love that about our businesses that we look to fill in those gaps. So when Jen says wraparound care, and I'm a customer, again, I've received this, she literally means wraparound care, meaning we won't leave your side. We will stay with you. We don't have all of the answers. Nobody does. But we collaborate with wonderful business partners uh, like Wayside Mental Health Services and many, many others uh, that can assist you in a wide variety of areas, whether it be treatment for substance use disorder, treatment for mental health, uh, wellness programming. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you had mentioned something really important, which was Wayside, um, our relationship with Wayside. So certainly we are not a clinically based program intentionally. Right. And we have been able to collaborate with with Wayside Youth and Family Support Network out of Milford to provide free clinical counseling to 
children ages 5 to 18 and their caregivers and any individual who has been a victim and a survivor of sexual assault and domestic violence. And that has drastically opened the doors for folks in our community to get support for really sensitive topics that maybe when they were at the hospital or with a different provider, they felt like they were not able to share all the information that they could have. So glad you said that, Jen. One of the critical parts of what we do is that all of our care is trauma-informed. Can you speak a little bit about what it means to be trauma-informed? So the understanding and the movement behind trauma-informed care is to meet any individual where they are and recognize that their story and their experiences are their own. And through our support, we recognize that anything that we hope to provide with this person for the next stages of their life honor where they've been. And we are never to tell someone else what their experiences should be or what could have been, but to honor where they are, what they're bringing to the table and how they feel they'd like to move forward. And, uh, you know, Jen, I, I'm a dad. Those are my initials, as you know, D-A-D after my name. But I will tell you, as someone that has been around you and witnessed uh, what professionals are doing in this area, it really, really makes a difference when you walk in to a, a place, an agency that is trauma-informed, because it takes the fear, you know, will I, is what I'm bringing to the table something they, A, haven't heard before? Is it going to shock them? Are they going to take me seriously? Are my triggers so sensitive that they may not be honored in this setting and therefore I'm afraid to, to speak openly and freely? And the fact of the matter is what Jen just said, it neutralizes all of those concerns because Jen and our staff take extra care to make sure that we meet with you exactly where you're at, not, as Jen said, where we hope you'll be, and that we get a full and complete and holistic understanding of who you are so that as we wrap around you, we can carry you and make space for your trauma, make space for your specific needs, specific to you, not specific to anyone else. Um, we're not looking for diagnostic codes. We're not looking to put people in boxes. We're not looking to label people. We're doing exactly the opposite. So again, Jen has created this wonderful safe space for people to come and be able to really be who they are and find the help on their terms, not, not to be diagnosed or put into labels or into boxes. And I just want to say this as well. A lot of times I hear from people and say, well, how would how do I get involved with the coalition or why would I want to? Look, it just seems so confusing. And here's the way I like to describe it for me again, from my lens, from my lived experience. As I tried to navigate my family's substance use disorder and mental health needs with my loved one. I often wanted to have somebody like I had for my taxes or for, for my financial planet, planning. I wanted a quarterback. I wanted that lawyer that could tell me, Jim, I can help you. Just come into our office, sit down, tell me everything, and then I'll plug in the CPA. I'll let you know what you need to do about wills and trusts. I'll handle it. You know, we will come around you. And when I don't know the answers, I'll look you right in the eye and tell you that. But we're not going anywhere. And I have those relationships financially. I needed one for mental health and substance use disorder and prevention and all these other things. And thank God I found one. And she's sitting across from me along with uh, the SAFE Coalition. So 
it's in that spirit that I make the recommendation that if you're listening to this broadcast and you find yourself with any questions at all, would like to have a relationship with an organization that can provide you that type of wraparound care, just like the lawyer, the financial planner. Why wouldn't, by the way, Jim, why wouldn't we have one for this such a critical part of our lives? Right. You know, isn't it funny we take care of our assets, <laughs> meaning our physical assets, a lot more than we do our bodies and our minds. I think that culturally we are all just coming around to the idea that our mental health matters more than all of these other things that we put values on. I mean, I look at, um, you know, the Olympics right now and what's going on. And yes. and it is incredible and beautiful that, that individuals are willing to put their possibly gold medals in the Olympics, yeah. off to the side so that the mental health can be the focus. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I could not agree more, and I think it's extremely helpful. Again, our phone number at the Safe Coalition, our support line is 508-488-8105. And that's also the number you call with any questions or whether you want, if you want to sit down with Jen or anyone else in our office, please do call. Our website is Safe Coalition, M as in Mary, A as in Apple, that's for mass, dot org. And uh, we can be reached on Facebook as well and sometimes Twitter and I think Instagram. And I'm showing my age here because I'm running out of social That's media. That's it. Those are all the stuff. things. <laughs> but but uh, we have some other things coming up, Jim. We've got some fun things coming up around the coalition. I think there's another blood drive. There sure is. September 1st, Wednesday, September 1st, from 1130 to 6 p.m. at our safe office. Um, We will have a sign up online sooner rather than later. And there will also be food trucks. So you can grab a snack, get your blood dry. And I know one of them is killer pizza. So I really recommend that. And before that, on Tuesday, August 31st, we are going to have an evening that is going to honor International Overdose Awareness day. Is that correct? It absolutely is. And we're so excited to be able to to do this this year. And this year it will be on the Franklin Town Common. Uh, the event will start formally at six o'clock and go until approximately eight o'clock. It's an evening of recovery, awareness, and remembrance. And we will be celebrating all three of those uh, with a host of speakers. Uh, I'm very excited about this, Jen. We will have purple flags out on the town common to signify every soul that we lost in 2020 in Massachusetts. Um, Alarmingly, there was 93,000 fatalities, drug drug overdose fatalities, and that is a 23,000 person increase year over year from the year before. Do you have, I mean, some of the reasons are obvious with COVID, but do you have any other thoughts as to what's going on? So I do have some thoughts. I mean, they're not grounded in data just yet Understood. because it's yeah. still early. So certainly individuals being stuck at home and not being able to gain access to supportive programs, yeah. to gain hospital beds if there was a need for it to detox, um, gain access to clinical care um, for mental health concerns. I also think that access to providers shifted. So while many folks were out of work during the pandemic, there were still a host of types of jobs that still had employees going to work. And so, um, you know, I do think that there were scripts that were written for maybe now what would have been for 10 days, but people were getting scripts for 30 plus days because you couldn't come in and go from the doctor's offices as frequently. Especially in rural America, right? Right, exactly. And I think, yeah, looking big picture in that perspective, access to medical care decreased and 
the amount of prescriptions written and the frequency of tabs being provided increased. Mm -hmm. So you just have more prescriptions out in the world and more tabs out in the world of of medication that can be addictive. People ask me a lot of times about statistics and, you know, we're really at safe. We're, we're look, we're focused on one thing and that's your story. Um, the numbers are important to us from a, certainly from a trend basis. Um, and, and certainly from a funding basis, we need to know, you know, what our metrics are. Are we having an impact mm-hmm. on communities at large? But when it comes to you, uh, we are only focused on your story and that's really why we're here. So again, it's uh, Tuesday, August 31st here in the Franklin Town Common. Uh, Please come out and help us with a candlelight vigil in which we will remember all of the souls that have been lost to overdoses. We'll also use the candles to celebrate light. And the light is that uh, if you do overdose and the overdose is reversed, which happily today many, many are, people do go on to live wonderful lives in recovery. And Jim, we're surrounded by the recovery community. We really are. And it is such a blessing for us to be able to share space with men and women who have found themselves asking for support and having the courage to say, yes, I want to be in recovery. We have a wonderful relationship with Turning Point Recovery Center in Walpole. And that entire group of people are are the epitome of what it means to get up every day, work hard for the life that you want, and be so thankful when you lay your head back down on the pillow for the life that that you're leading today. It's no stretch, when I and I know you'll know where I'm coming from, when I say that I would rather sit down across from somebody in long-term recovery than just about anybody on the planet Same. because of transparency, because of honesty, accountability, and the simple fact that when people come through difficult times, it's like that's how diamonds are made. Yes. An oak tree grows strong and contrary winds and diamonds are made under pressure. Mic drop. One of my favorite quotes. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, and we can attribute that, that to I don't know Maddie who Levine. said it. <laughs> I wish I knew who said it so I could give them fabulous credit, but it's something that when I feel the stress or the pulls of life, I remember that saying, and I'm like, no, this is where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> Speaking of Maddie Levine, um, yes. if, if with your permission, I'd just like to, to ask you about your family. You, I, I get these questions a lot. What does Jen do? She seems like she's so busy all the time. But you have two beautiful baby boys at home. Yes, yes. Um, I have a two and a half year old and an eight month old. Both boys, both happy, loving life, energetic kiddos, and an awesome husband (laughs) who is a lieutenant um, firefighter in Rentham. And he's getting his master's, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he is. Yeah, that that is just wonderful. Um, You know, thank you uh, to Matt for giving all of the support that we have needed at the coalition so that you could remain so active. What a guy, right? And employed. Yeah. And I love what Jeff Roy says when he looks at you. He'll say, is this what you had in mind, Jen, <laughs> back when you when you founded this thing? <laughs> and the fact is, it's, it's kind of grown quickly. Uh, again, just responding to the needs of the community. Yeah, I don't think I've really had time to sit back and reflect on all of the things right. that are going on because, like, they're still going on. <laughs> so, right. right. So maybe in a few years we can reflect and think about how fast all of this is going and moving and happening 
But, you know, six years ago when I had written to Jeff, the idea was to have a small support group for family members who were <laughs> impacted by the opioid epidemic. Right. And now <laughs> yeah, it's, this has broadened so much. But right. of course it has. Course. How how wonderful is that? Yeah. That the community is trusting us with the most vulnerable pieces it's of themselves. so true. Jen. I love the way you said that, Jen. I'd love to take credit along with you for this growth. But the fact of the matter is our business was instantly scalable because look at the problem we have mental health and substance use disorder. So it's, it's called just build it and people will come and they have. And by the way, uh, the community, you, you are always welcome at the table with your ideas. I cannot encourage you enough to come in and sit down and speak with Jen about anything that you can dream up. We do have a very active volunteer core. So you will entertain any types of ideas and, and people can come and share and see what see what we can do. Sure, certainly. We have folks who may call or stop by the office and want to share either their personal experiences or a dream that they have. And it's not uncommon for us to say, hey, <laughs> would you like to volunteer? Would you like to bring that idea to fruition? How can we make this work, you know, especially if we know that there's a need for it? So, yeah, we are always more than open to collaborate. I want to also say that our offices are at 206 Dedham Street in Norfolk. That's actually the intersection of Route 115 and Route 1A. They're in Norfolk Center, the old Richdale Food Strip Mall, I guess you'd call it, Plaza. Uh, we are there. Our office hours are changing. It's best to call in advance just to make sure we're there, particularly as we tail out of COVID here. Uh, but we would love to meet with you right there in the offices. And before we head out, I just want to remind people that Tuesday, August 31st, is International Overdose Awareness Day. And the Safe Coalition will be holding a vigil on the Franklin Town Common. The event starts at 6.30 p.m. The Interfaith Council will be there to offer prayer. We will have a roster of speakers to talk about awareness, recovery, and remembrance. And we'll cap the evening off with a candlelight vigil. So again, that's Tuesday, August 31st, right here in the Franklin Town Common. So for Jen Knight-Levine, my name's Jim Derrick saying thanks for listening to Safe Radio. And we'll see you next week.